Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and I'm here with DanceWell Podcast. Today, we are doing something anomalous for DanceWell. Instead of speaking to one person on a particular subject, I've spoken to four individuals about a pilot study that is presently unfolding across the United States. We've all used fitness trackers like Fitbits, iPhone step counters, and Nike fuel bands to count our steps and to get a general idea of overall activity for the day. Maybe we've even used this type of wearable to track our sleep cycles so we can gleam whether or not we are well-rested. But at the end of the day, how are these tidbits of information really impacting our health and wellness? And more specifically, how can they help dancers? On this episode of Dancewell Podcast, we will hear from a group of individuals involved in a study that is taking fitness tracking using the Whoop wearable device to a whole new level. Two gentlemen, Mr. Doug Jamison and Dr. Philip Bauman, have collaborated on a pilot study of epic proportions. The study of a cohort of athletes, including dancers from a few major dance companies in New York City, aims to provide and integrate comprehensive laboratory-based testing and activity tracking to provide insight into health and performance and on how to optimize performance both over the short and long term. The study takes into consideration not only a dancer's activity level or sleep patterns, but also their gut microbiome, their genetic predisposition to certain traits, their force output, their fatigue ability, and more. I will share with you bits of my conversation with Mr. Doug Jamison, the CEO of Hale Life, a precision health and medicine company with the goal of optimizing health and performance, and Dr. Philip Bauman, an orthopedic surgeon who works with several dance companies in New York City, including New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater, and who is also on the board of Hale. We'll also hear from two dancers from Paul Taylor's dance company, Madeline Ho. Uh, My name is Madeline. I am one of the dancers with the Paul Taylor Dance Company. I just finished my third year with the main company and starting my fourth. Um, I also recently graduated with my medical degree from Harvard Medical School. And Michelle Fleet. Hi, I'm Michelle Fleet. I am a veteran dancer (laughs) with the Paul Taylor Dance Company. Madeline and Michelle are two of the handful of dancers in professional New York-based companies who are taking part in Mr. Jamison and Dr. Bauman's study. As I mentioned, this pilot study is truly massive and has many moving parts. So to get my bearings, I first asked Doug Jamison to give me a synopsis of the study at large. Here's Mr. Jamison. So the scope of the study was to provide uh, comprehensive health and performance testing for the dancers. We looked at 46 genes. So we used a a, uh, swab to swab the cheeks to test 46 sports-related genes. We We looked at 72 different clinical laboratory biomarkers. Uh, We did that through a blood draw. Uh, We provided a microbiome swab so we could see uh, the microbes that are present in the gut. We then provided a wearable to the dancers to look at sleep, strain, and recovery specifically. And finally, we did some force plate testing, what I call performance testing, uh, to look at power, strength, and fatigue. Uh, So those were the five different components of the testing, and the idea is to integrate all of that together and to be able to tell them something about their health and their performance and ultimately how they may optimize it. Before unpacking all of the components of the study, I asked Mr. Jamison and Dr. Bauman about their purpose or their reason for embarking on such a study. As described by the pair, there are a few objectives here. Mr. Jamison discussed the study of integrating information from a plethora of comprehensive tests to give dancers insight into health and to help dancers optimize performance both in the short and long term. 
Dr. Bauman discussed an objective informed by many years of working with dancers. Uh, from my perspective, uh, my goal in, in uh, helping uh, Doug uh, recruit dancers for the study was to uh, try to help dancers understand how to best care for themselves in a way that will allow them to optimize uh, not just their training but, uh, and performance, but to uh, hopefully prevent injuries or lower the incidence of injuries. I found over the years uh, working with New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater that frequently dancers uh, sustain injuries when they're fatigued, uh, when they're overworked, um, and uh, with uh, with the platform provided uh, by Hale Dance, hopefully we'll be able to investigate and, uh, and teach dancers how to better take care of themselves uh, during stressful uh, periods. So whereas in the past, as with screening and other wellness initiatives, we've looked at a snapshot of physical or technical weaknesses or medical red flags that keep you from performing at your best, this study aims to shift perspective to a macro real-time approach to performance. The study gives the athletes involved biological information and live ongoing feedback on how the body is prone to and how it actually responds to stressors, both in and out of the studio. To do this, investigators started by looking at a handful of chosen laboratory tests. I asked Mr. Jamison to walk me through this part. So when I think of the, the laboratory component, I think of two pieces of that, the microbiome and the clinical lab testing uh, that we looked at. Uh, we do all of that in partnership with a clinical lab called the Open Medicine Institute, uh, which is in Mountain View, California. They're one of the premier institutions in the country uh, for looking at multiple types of data set that would impact health. Specifically, they do a lot of work in undiagnosed disease populations, uh, but they have worked with athletes as well. And why that's important is because these clinical labs are ordered by the doctor and uh, the results are interpreted by a physician as well, not by, by Hale specifically. Uh, so in the clinical labs, we looked at 72 different biomarkers. Uh, we think of them as, as systems, or I think of them as attributes. So we were looking at uh, clinical markers that would relate to inflammation, that would relate to immune response, that would relate to nutrition vitamins, minerals, fatty acids. Uh, we looked at um, clinical biomarkers that relate to detoxification uh, as well. So that really is the clinical lab component. The microbiome component is actually, it's a, it's a simple swab. Um, and what you capture in this swab is you capture the microbes that are in your gut. And so you can basically look at um, the family of microbes that are there in your gut and how they're impacting what happens in your body biochemically. So those would influence clearly nutrition. Right. What you eat shows up very clearly by the microbes that you have, but also things like recovery and inflammation biomarkers show up in your microbiome as well. So Mr. Jamison and his team are looking both at the dancer's genetic blueprint or the nurture component in the nature versus nurture debate and the nurture component or the microbiome. The microbiome is influenced by quite a variety of events that occur in daily life, such as what you eat, where you live or travel to, the partner you are with or with illness. And because the microbiome is truly reflective of you and your daily routine or habits, it can, as you might imagine, change over time. And so it's a great reflection of what is happening at any given point in time. And the question we're always asking is, 
you know, do you have an optimal microbiome? Is there an optimal one for your performance that you should be at? And how do we get to that? In order to study how it might have an effect on our dancing, Mr. Jamison and his team want to look at the microbiome multiple times. And so yes, all of our testing we would like to do multiple times what we call longitudinally to take a look at how you're changing over time and how that impacts health and performance over time. After dancers have gone through the laboratory testing components, they receive a summary of their results. They can look at all of the information about their microbiome, the genetic predisposition, and the differences in force output between legs, amongst other things. Dancers are then sent home with a WHOOP wearable device. The WHOOP is a sleek wristband that measures heart rate variability, resting heart rate, maximum heart rate, and sleep cycles via two green light LED sensors located at the wrist. To be clear, heart rate variability is the naturally occurring variability in your heart rate or the time between heartbeats. Mr. Jamison mentions that when it comes to performance readiness, this just might be the most important variable in the study. It not only helps us to understand when an athlete is physically fit, but also when something is a bit off. In sports training, as we've looked at it over time, people look at heart rate variability um, to say when it's higher, you're more performance ready, you're in better conditioning than when it's lower. That having been said, it's very different for everybody. So we have athletes on the Hale platform that register sub 50 heart rate variabilities throughout the day, every day, and we have athletes that are above 100. And what we've looked at with Open Medicine Institute is really the change. If you're at 100 and you start dropping to 80 to 60 to 50, that's when we start to look at, you know, are you getting sick or are you not getting recovery? If you're at 40 or 50, does it drop down to lower levels? So the WHOOP wearable takes the information it collects during a dancer's everyday activity on heart rate, maximum heart rate, sustained maximum heart rate, and heart rate variability and puts it into a complex algorithm to give you a measure of strain or accumulated stress. A dancer can easily see this number on the WHOOP app. Additionally, and in my opinion most importantly, it calculates a percent recovery that is shared to the wearer. This is a simple, easily digestible number that displays on the dancer's WHOOP app at the beginning of every day and is based on amount of strain from the previous day, the quantity and quality of your sleep, and a short survey that is filled out by the WHOOP wearer covering questions like, did you share the bed with somebody? Did you drink caffeine or alcohol before bed? Did you read before bed? Do you feel rested upon waking? Are you sore or do you feel ill? This percent recovery that the dancers receive upon waking is also accompanied with a suggestion like, based on yesterday's strain and your sleep, you are only 25% recovered. You should refrain from heavy activity today. This type of information can help a dancer plan his or her day in order to save energy for necessary and stressful activity like rehearsal. For Michelle, this information helps her to plan her rest as well. You can see, okay, today I've, I've only received five hours of sleep. My strain is really high based on my entire day. I need, tonight I really need to get to bed by this time. They do suggest, well, if, if you're gonna peak tomorrow, this is the time you need to go to bed. If, you're just, if you just need to get by tomorrow, then fine, you can go to bed a little bit later. And if it's just like a bad day, you know, they're like, well, okay, this is, this is like the least amount of sleep that you can possibly get to function. 
I asked the dancers and Dr. Bauman whether or not the information provided by the Whoop and its app felt right. Here's Madeline and Michelle. When we first started it, I was like, is this right? I was, I was like, no. But actually, when I look at my entire day, uh, I would say it's pretty accurate for me. I, I can tell when I'm feeling really great. I'm like, no, that's about right. And I know when I just, I'm not feeling great at all. And I was like, yep, yeah, I was in the red that day. I gotta take it easy. Mm, nope, this is a day to just pull it back a little bit. Yeah, I feel like generally, at least in the two ends, when you're feeling really great and when you're not feeling great, it's mm-hmm. very easy to tell. I think one thing the device is really helpful with is like sort of in that middle zone where, you know, you it's harder to tell. And sometimes the numbers can sort of help you figure out one way or the other. This is potentially a huge area of opportunity for dancers. With this information, wearers have the power to tweak their days to either decrease the total amount of stress they experience in a given day or increase it. Perhaps one might avoid strenuous activities so they'll have enough energy to make it through a performance, or maybe they'll take advantage of the fact that they're well-rested and recovered to do a little extra. Sure, I think it would be wonderful for them to have that input and be able to see, okay, I I actually have had this much recovery, and in fact, maybe I should do a little extra training today even though I have a rehearsal or I'm performing tonight. And in the past, you have all, one has always sort of felt how one feels, and if you feel tired, maybe you, you don't do that extra workout. But in fact, maybe your body would benefit from doing something else. So I, I think it'll provide, you know, I think it provides great insights uh, for dancers and for all of us to, uh, to have better sense of, of uh, what our bodies uh, need to optimize uh, training and, and performing. I asked the dancers if they've changed their wellness practices since wearing the device and seeing their levels of stress and strain. The general consensus seemed to be that they had. So I would say I I'm pay more attention to the time that I'm going to bed, how many hours I'm getting. Um, I noticed that on tour, one of the days when we had a day off, we sort of had a relaxing spa day where we were in a sauna, um, in a hot bath, and like that again sort of really made a difference in my heart rate so i think being aware of what things and and how much they can really change my heart rate is something that you know for me i've realized that those are things that can really change my recovery and can and just being more thoughtful about it exactly again i think we're just extra sensitive to ourselves now because you're fully aware of your your body is talking to you and you can clearly see it One thing I found particularly fascinating about this study was its ability to uncover some things we aren't able to see or feel. For example, at the initial testing, investigators were able to tell that a dancer was getting sick or fighting infection by certain biomarkers like their white blood cell level or by their heart rate variability. Researchers could also tell if a dancer might be overtraining, which could lead to injury and or illness. Yes, so the the dancer that you are are referring to was a uh, was a dancer that that came through the testing uh, a couple things of note one they had a gene the gene is called mthfr it's a folate receptor gene they are it's very the, the variation they had was very rare less than five percent of the population has it uh, when you have it you actually um, you're predisposed to less folate so you know if a physician knew that or if you were pregnant, you would clearly want to be taking a lot of folate. Um, It also gives a a physician a heads up 
that they should be looking at other things. And, and the, other, uh, the other laboratory, clinical laboratory tests that pointed to overtraining were elevated homocysteine, ferritin levels that were lower, uh, hemoglobin levels that were lower. And in this case, we actually went back and looked at HRV, heart rate variability from the WHOOP that was actually declining. And that was a classic example of this athlete is more than likely overtrained. And so um, we also, in this athlete, saw something else, which is they have a genetic predisposition to joint injuries. They have a predisposition genetically to very high pain tolerance, both of which are fairly rare. And when you're overtrained and you have that predisposition, you know, our concern would be, is, is it a heightened, you know, increased risk of injury um, that, that could result? So, you know, the, the, the recommendations uh, for, for somebody like that would clearly be you need more time in recovery. And that could be specific to you. Everyone's going to be individual in how much recovery that they, they need. Practically, watching HRV could be very helpful. So just using the WHOOP device to see if HRV starts to recover um, more and it's not dropping is a great way to say from a day-to-day -day basis, Am I, am I getting proper recovery uh, so I won't be overtrained? Uh, the other thing is, as hopefully as we test these dancers over time, we can look at not just these clinical labs, but they also had inflammatory biomarkers, um, CRP, IL-6 that were elevated that we could look at over time and say, are those levels decreasing, which would mean that they're recovering better, they're not overtrained. This information is clearly very useful to the dancer. Armed with this knowledge, a dancer can be sure to build in more time for recovery, adjust folate intake, and have a better idea of what overtraining feels like to them and potentially protect their body long-term. This information could also have much larger implications. I wonder if in the future we could look at company trends and think, okay, based on data we've collected from the WHOOP and the laboratory data in Dr. Bauman and Mr. Jamison's study, we can clearly see that a lot of our dancers are overtrained, for example. And perhaps we need to rethink how we are casting, rehearsing, or even performing. Admittedly, that would be a huge paradigm shift, but possibly have an extraordinary and lasting implication for the physical and mental well-being of company dancers and even the company's health-related costs. Any way you cut it, this study and the use of the WHOOP are exciting for the dance community. Um, for me, it's really exciting to have, you know, this very specific study for dancers. I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, there's so much focus and money that goes into exercise science and it's there's a very strong focus on athletes. Um, and I think a lot of times people forget that dancers are athletes as well. Yeah, so to be able to have a study that is very specific for dancers, recognizing that there are a lot of components that do overlap with athletes, but also recognizing that dancers do have special needs as well. So to be able to have the study focus on that and sort of tease apart what those differences are, how they can improve the device to be able to help dancers um, is something for me that's really exciting to see. Madeline is absolutely right. There have been a number of studies looking at workload and performance optimization in sport, but rarely does this occur in dance where I would argue it's sorely needed. 
When asked about the benefits of the whoop and the study at large, Dr. Bauman spoke primarily to fatigue and injury, both in the short and long term, and to help dancers optimize and feel better about their performance. You know, from the outset, um, I, I have a perspective um, about dance and training and performing and recovery, which is that um, over the years I've, I've noticed when dancers tend to get fatigued, whether it's because they've had a long season where they've been performing, uh, because many of the companies will perform for a month without a stop or longer, uh, in addition to doing rehearsals, uh, the, my observations have been that the end of that period of time, whether it's a few weeks of intense training and performing or a month or longer, uh, leads to more injuries. And I think part of it is from general fatigue. Uh, I, I don't know if it's specifically related uh, to the classic strain that uh, we have been talking about in terms of the whoop and the wearable, but I think that is a big factor. Um, and, and so it'd be great from my perspective uh, to be able to guide dancers to lower injury rates. In addition, uh, and equally important from my perspective, is that I've talked to many, many dancers over many years about their performances, uh, you know, before and after, and how they feel going into the performance, just in the same way that uh, someone may feel when they're going into a training session that they're not really energized, but they find out when they're doing the training session that it ends up being great. The same token, dancers tell me that they may feel not very good during the going into the performance or warming up, and then they have this incredible, miraculous, you know, faultless performance. Uh, so, to be able to guide dancers to be able to optimize their performances, I think, would be uh, really beneficial. And a device such as uh, Whoop and uh, Hail Sports and Hail Dances platform will be. I think quite beneficial for dancers in the long run. And then also, as Doug had alluded to, uh, I, some of the effects uh, of strain over a period of years may last even after a dancer's career. So it would be wonderful to be able to guide dancers to healthy lifestyles during their peak years of performances. Here's what Mr. Jamison had to say. We, we know there have been studies out there that, that show that tailoring someone's training to how ready they are, performance ready, recovered they are, is beneficial. So the old adage of suck it up and keep going um, is not correct. And so imagine the day where you understand where you are in a given day and what training you could do. I think to Dr. Bauman's point, that's the days where you start to really prevent injuries that come from overtraining. And we already know this. We know in other athletic worlds, they're, they're using the whoop, they're using some of this advanced testing. Um, in the European soccer leagues, they do a tremendous amount of, of this testing that we don't yet do in the US. And they actually vary the training program. And they found it very successful that if an athlete's not fully recovered or, or very strained, maybe altering the training for that day. And then to Dr. Bauman's point, on a day where they really are ready, increasing the intensity gets better outcomes than holding it level. It's important to note that despite its distinctive benefit, the WHOOP as a performance readiness and enhancement tool for dancers does have some drawbacks. One of the greatest downsides is that dancers cannot wear the device during performance. As we know, there's really nothing like a performance. Your heart is pumping, your focus is intensified, and you really give it your all. Here is Michelle. That's the unfortunate part about this. Um, 
because you know costumes and things like that and and also the fact that it would just get in the way i mean i wish ideally it would be great if it was like this little patch that you could like put on somewhere on your body when it comes to that you know um and just have this on when we're in training when we're in rehearsals or whatever and then that information can get transferred to a patch that would be amazing yeah you know that way you can because during a performance there's nothing like a performance you're you you do reach your peak in a performance adrenaline is pumping you know so there's nothing like that in that sense the closest you do get to that is really running a dance full out and let's say you're in all three dances in rehearsal you know and you just go full (laughs) out for those rehearsals that is the closest you're probably going to get to feeling that peak moment Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also tricky because if you have a lot of partnering some of that part it could get in the way of some right. partnering right. i think in general it's been okay but if we know it's like some in- intense yeah. partnering you're like maybe i need yeah. right yeah. it's like knowing. let me take this off you know i learned from the dancers that if you're not wearing your device during a performance there really is no way to capture the strain on your body i asked madeline if there was any way to input data missing on the back end yeah i do think that's one of the pieces for us that's you know, sort of a, this is a room for improvement component Um, because you can input data. However, if it's not capturing data in the moment, then the, it's not able to use that for interpretation. Um, So I feel like the days where we are performing, there is that huge gap Mm -hmm. where there is missing information and, you know, it doesn't account into the strain for that day. But I feel like that there's still like post information that shows up in terms of like your sleep, mm-hmm. your heart rate variability, mm-hmm. you know, so you can sort of gleam some information, but I feel like it doesn't capture that full picture mm-hmm. then. Dr. Bauman concurs and adds a little bit more. I think the WHOOP is a, is a wonderful device and I, I've been wearing it as a subject uh, informally and as part of this uh, study, but not part of the dance cohort. Um, I, I, the limitations uh, from my perspective since it involves wearing a, a wrist band for dancers uh, most obviously is that the dancers uh, normally would not be able to wear it while they're performing. Uh, some of them have worn it uh, during rehearsals. I think in terms of their being able to wear it during rehearsal it really depends upon what they were doing. If they're partnering they might not be able to wear it uh, comfortably or safely. Uh, so uh, conceptually for me the ideal wearable is one that is as invisible and as as lightweight as possible. Uh, Whether that would be a device that you would wear in a different part of your body, for instance, on your chest, I could see in the future perhaps there would be a taped electrode that you could have that would be hooked up remotely to something else and uh, would be virtually uh, invisible or or not be something that would be a burden uh, to dancers. Because right now the limitation for us in the study is that we're not really able to look at dancers when they're performing and that component of their, of their training and their strain and their recovery is, is missing. You can input that to some degree. Um, and then this perhaps is, is a little bit of a fantasy, but ideally, uh, Doug has talked about the Hale platform, it would be wonderful to incorporate as much of the data as we have, have, have uh, obtained into a wearable so that the dancers will have a much more integrated and meaningful um, set and um, uh, 
meaningful output, so to speak, from the wearable, that they'll be able to, uh, the wearable may be able to let them know that they're not hydrating adequately. I mean, you know, there are sensors that you can measure uh, things like perspiration and uh, will give you uh, indirectly and directly how hydrated you are at different temperatures. Um, so there are other uh, aspects uh, that we really don't look at, other, other type of parameters that we're not really looking at now. It'd be great if we could incorporate that into the wearable. In my opinion, there is another major pitfall that didn't come up in my recorded discussions. That pitfall is the cost of the device. Originally, the Whoop, one of the best tracking devices on the market, was available to consumers at a whopping $500. US This is a massive price to pay for most dancers who typically don't make much money. The good news is that as of May of 2018, there's now a lower cost option which allows consumers to pay $30 a month for a minimum of six months. That being said, just purchasing the device does not afford you the laboratory-based data that this study provides its participants, which is another major benefit of the study itself. And despite the new payment plan, it may still be difficult for independent or freelance dancers in particular to join the study. At the end of the day, this project really excites me. In this study is a great chance for dancers to begin to understand the individual needs of their bodies, for dance companies to rethink their rehearsals and performance schedules, for wearers to appropriately modulate their physical and mental stress both in and out of the studio, and for dancers and scientists to push the understanding of performance optimization forward. In closing, here's Mr. Jamison. In Hale, we, we talk about precise, personalized, and prescriptive. And I think those are really the goals. Precise being actually being able to have data, quality data, that can inform you of what is happening. Um, and I think that has been lacking, um, but is now, is now available. And, it, and, and it's more available than I think most people understand, whether it's wearable devices, whether it's clinical labs, whether it's genetic or microbiome related. The personalized is we're all very different. We should be doing different training um, programs. We should be going to bed at different times. We probably should be eating different things. And to understand what you need to be optimizing, I think is, is a, a brand new way to look at, you know, team training, company training, and, and performance. And then finally, prescriptive. The idea is, as Dr. Bauman says, can you use it to optimize performance? Can we use it to tell you, if you work on these three areas, you're gonna get better, or you're gonna be healthier over the long term? Uh, and I think that that really is a whole new way to think about healthcare, right? Healthcare's always been about sick care. I get sick and I respond to it, I react to it. And instead, we can start to look with precise information, with personalized information, prescriptively of what do I need to do to be at my best, whether that's health or performance related. And that would be the goal. There are many people who generously donated their time and resources to make this episode possible. First, thank you to Michael Novak, Artistic Director of the Paul Taylor Dance Foundation, for introducing me to Lisa Labrado, the Director of Public Relations and Marketing at Paul Taylor. It was Lisa who suggested we might be interested in talking to the dancers, Dr. Bauman, and Mr. Jamison about this study. Thank you to Cassie May at the New York Public Library for organizing our use of the recording studio at the Dance Oral History Project of the Jerome Robbins Dance Division at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts. 
And a big thank you to Michelle Fleet, Madeline Ho, Dr. Philip Bauman, and Mr. Doug Jamison for taking the time to share your knowledge and experiences with our DanceWell audience. And now to our listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of DanceWell Podcast. If you like what you hear, go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search DanceWell Podcast to subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website, www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without the generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, and upgrades, and for our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast or visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or you want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Bye.